look, I don't like reporting maintenance, but I know it is part of the job because for me, it's just about making sure your property stays in tip-top shape so it can withhold value for when you want to sell it. At least your, your return is going to be there. Otherwise, if you don't spend money on maintenance, when you want to sell your home, mate, you, you're not going to get the maximum price for it because the purchase is going to be like, well, shit, this needs doing, that needs doing, this needs doing, and therefore offer you less. We believe every Australian deserves a right to own at the very least five investment properties. I'm Adrian Trimboli. And I'm Frank Ambezi, and welcome to the Invest in You podcast. Fall down seven times, get up eight. Now, this was something that I heard from Denzel Washington in one of his speeches when he won his, his Logies, one of his Logies or awards. And it's a great quote and a great thing that he said because in life, you know, we fall down and a lot of times we don't get back up. And today I've got a guest on that fell down a lot of times but kept getting back up and kept finding new solutions, kept finding a way to succeed. And I think it's important with today's topic and about in life in general, because we fall down and we don't get back up. But if we just get back up and try again and just try again, even the learning from those failures and learning what the mistakes we made and then, you know, critiquing it and moving forward, you know, that's going to equal freedom. And so I wanted to do this and talk about this because it's going to relate a lot about today's topic. We've got Jared, who's the co-founder of Efficient Property Solutions. Now, they're a property uh, in property management team who just specialize in property management. They don't specialize in sales or anything like that. They're focusing purely on just helping people with managing their properties. He's got a great story and he actually looks after one of my properties, but I wish I had a guy like himself and his team that could help me you know, look after all my other properties because it'll make my life a lot easier. But he's got a really, really unique story. He's got a wealth of knowledge and he's actually had, he's gone through a lot of trials and tribulations. Uh, he's got a great story and that's why I wanted to present him today and, and you guys can listen to his story, but not just that, get a lot of a clarity and understanding when it comes to finding the right property manager for your portfolio. Now, your property management team is the key to anything. And so you're going to get a lot of value today with having Jared on. And then we're going to discuss, I guess, some sneak peeks towards the end. But I think this is going to be a really great, you know, a great topic. And I think you're going to get a lot of value from today. So welcome, Jared, from ePropertry Solutions. Uh, welcome to have you here. So we're going to have listeners, our viewers, I just want you to tell your story about your journey and I guess why you started, you know, E-Efficient uh, e Property Solutions. And yeah, just so you give the viewers and the listeners a bit of understanding about a bit more about yourself. Yeah, sure, man. Well, look, I definitely appreciate the opportunity being on this podcast. It's always good to share my experiences as a sort of business owner, a landlord, um, and just someone involved within the, I guess, real estate community. Um, so... A bit about me, my background. Um, look, I haven't always been in property. I studied science as a degree. And uh, unfortunately, I found that, yeah, a lot of that profession, don't get me wrong, I love it and I do miss it, that uh, required me to kind of save the world with kindness. And unfortunately, um, sometimes you need money to pay the bills. 
So, um, and I just couldn't really find a, a niche or a role that suited me without doing years of um, placement or, or volunteer work. So in about 2013 or 14, it was, I got a, a flyer in the mailbox saying, make a million dollars, come to my one day free event. And I was like, mate, anyone that can show me how to make a million bucks, I'm going to go listen to what you have to say. And I'm very grateful I did because um, that's what kind of started me on this property journey. And it was from a company called the uh, the, the Massland Group. I don't know if you've, anyone's heard of the Massland Group or Mark Rolton. Um, so went to his one day free event and long story short, mate, signed up to courses, all that sort of stuff. And what he taught was property options. So how to secure land with no money and then pass that block of land onto a developer or someone who wants to buy it, who has interest in developing it. And um, mate, look, long story short, we did that quite successfully. Um, I then asked to, to move up from Melbourne to the Gold Coast to work as an acquisition manager and student support in his office, which I did. I learned heaps, man. It was probably the best thing I've ever done. Made a lot of contacts that I still work with today. And um, so I was there for 12 months. And then I just wanted to start my own thing, to, which we did. So back then, myself and Ryan, we were just doing our own developments. Uh, we've done a one into nine lot land subdivision up in Marsden, uh, done a couple of renos into Woomba and a couple of smaller one into threes up in Logan as well, or Logan Home. And um, mate, look, development's great. It's a good space to be in. But uh, yeah, to make big costs, it's not a cheap exercise. And, and I found that for like 18 months, my head is always worrying about what the council do, engineers, contractors, all that sort of stuff. So I didn't really enjoy it, if I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, we did it successfully, but it just wasn't my preferred place to be in. But through that, we, we got exposed to, um, I guess, what you do, advisory and being a buyer's agent and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we, we dabbled in that for about 12 months. And, um, like you, I do own property. And at the time, my properties were being managed by other companies. And um, we were helping these clients buy property off the plan and established. And then, unfortunately, the feedback we were getting from the clients was that, look, we loved your service, but the property management side lacked a bit. And at the end of the day, being a family-run company or being any company, I think when you give a referral and it doesn't really work out the way in what you had hoped, yes, they may not be employed by you, but it is a reflection of, of trust and it's a breakdown of trust. That's, that's, that's what I think. Some people may have not have that same opinion. So I said to Ryan, this was at the start of 2018, I think it was, that we would stop doing advisory, stop doing everything else and purely focus on management. And, um, mate, that's really what we've done to this day, really. Uh, I feel that because of our rent, but I also own property, I get to see it from both sides. I get to see it from a tenant side. I get to see it from an owner side as well. So for myself and Ryan, when we first started out, it was just us two. We just really wanted to create a, uh, a brand or an agency that, look, we may not be for everyone, but the people that do want to, work with a more personalized company and not some of your bigger corporates, which nothing against corporates. Uh, some of my closest mates work in them and they're fantastic and I've got good relationships with them. I think everyone has their place in this world. Um, we just wanted to create something a bit more nurturing, a bit more tight knit. And um, yeah, mate, that's kind of what we've done. We now have a team of myself, Ryan, Jody, Prue and Cameron. So five of us. 
And um, yeah, mate, for us, it's been a really cool journey to to just see it grow from what it was back then, nothing to what it is now. So um, yeah, should be very proud of yourself because uh, it's very hard to take something from zero to you know to one hundred. Mate, look, it's uh, it definitely doesn't come with with without its struggles. There's been plenty of sleepless nights and plenty of tears, but um, mate, I've always just believed as long as you just keep persisting and you just keep going. God can't, uh, can't, can't. What's the word? Um, can't withhold you from greatness for too long if you just keep on the, on that path, man. I just find that some people uh, chop and change. They'll start one thing, and then they'll be like, "Nah, I haven't made anything in two or three months," and they'll go try something else. It's like, mate, if you're passionate about something and you know you want to succeed in something, just stay on that path, and eventually it will happen. Yeah, well said. Definitely. I, I, I want to I want to unravel a bit more because I know you deeply well. The viewers probably don't. So I want to talk about the you know the trial tribulation when you first got into you know investing or doing these developments and I guess was it hard? Did you have any down moments? You know what happened? You know was it a straightforward simple process the way you went about this? Um, mate, look, I'll start back from when we from when we were doing property options. So like. Um, because I guess that's really where my thick skin and I guess determination to want to succeed really started. So how I guess property options works or how I got taught was you send letters to owners once you've identified the properties that you're looking at to option up their land, yeah? And um, it's not an easy process because the way in which we got taught was that you write a letter, you can type a letter, but all the envelopes have to be have to be handwritten because it's more personal. All the names need to be put on the letter because it's more personal. So you have to go into IP data to do the research and see who the landowners are and all that sort of stuff. So long story short, mate, we sent out about 2,000 letters before we had our first option deal. Now, 2,000 letters, mate, is a fair amount of, um, of stamps, a fair amount of envelopes, um, and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't it wasn't an easy thing to do. You know what I mean? So that that was the start of kind of what really taught me how to persist and taught me how to to kind of just go on with the job, even when you've been rejected so many times. Um, so so that part was challenging. Um, in terms of the actual kind of starting up your own management company or in start of, or in, I guess, in starting up management, look, I had a very good friend at the time. Um, her name was Ashley, and, and she had worked in some of the bigger companies before. And I met her through, I owned a yoga studio, and um, she used to train with us. So I met her through there. And then at the time, she graciously agreed to, to come help us start the management company. And um, yeah, Ash obviously moved on, and and yeah, we obviously stayed with what we were doing. So it wasn't so much challenging as it was an exciting event for me. So I didn't really pay attention to the difficulties that came with it. I was more focused on the the growth and and finding new landlords and renting houses and all that sort of stuff. So. No, the management part, no. But look, as you start to grow, I guess this is where me personally, I have, oh, look, I'll, I'll be honest. I think everyone experiences at some point of their life anxiety or, or, or stress, depression, call or whatever you wish. For me, mate, I, my personality is one of either I'm going to do the job properly or I'm not going to do it at all. 
So for the past four or five years since we've started management, I feel like I have shown up and given 110% every single day and I kind of have neglected other areas of my life where I probably shouldn't have neglected, like my, my mental state or my mind and paid a bit more attention to that. Um, I always feel like going for a run or training your muscles. Yes, it's good on the body, but yeah, I think your mind's a very important thing. And um, so, so yeah, like the past month and a half, maybe also my baby's coming in about nine weeks that I have found that I need to really put more into my mind and work on myself as hard as what I've worked on the company, the business, because mate, at the end of the day, and this is just me, I kind of said when I experienced my little nervous breakdown a month and a half ago, I said, if I could just inspire one youngster or anyone starting their own business, just don't neglect themselves. Because there's no point being the richest man in the graveyard, man. Like you have all this money, but then you're going to make yourself sick and you're going to be just not your, your top performing self. There is no point. So for me, I kind of neglected the balance between work and life. I just worked. Even when I was on holiday, my wife used to complain, Jared, you spent all this money going on holiday, but you've got your laptop, all you're doing is working. Don't you just want to enjoy your time here? And I was like, no, no, I have to do this work. I have to do this work. And, um, mate, eventually it catches up on you, I think. Yeah, it definitely gives you burnout. Yeah. yeah, mate, it catches up on you and it just kind of bites you in the bum then. Yeah, so people think you need that hustle. Really important. Yeah, they, they people think you need the hustle. They watch, you know, a lot of YouTube videos or all these people on online, and they, you know, you've got the grind and all the rest of it. But you know, it's you got to have a life balance. Otherwise, if you don't, you're going to be burning yourself out, and then you're just not going to enjoy the process. Mate, hundred ten percent not. And also, the problem is, man, sometimes a lot of people on social medias they'll put up the fancy cars and the big houses and the fancy rolex watches and all that sort of stuff don't get me wrong mate all very nice but what people don't see is what they do behind the scenes they don't see how hard they had to work to get there they don't see yeah like you said the tribulation the struggles the hardship that got to get to that point and then sometimes um mate look i've been to a number of seminars and i've watched a number of obviously personal motivational videos and all that sort of stuff sometimes they they forget to tell you how hard it is to get there. I think if mate, if having a Ferrari was easy, every single person would have one. But it's not. Now for some it's a Ferrari, for others it's a house. For some it's just having more quality time with family. Like whatever your driving factor is, like mine is my parents. Like I thought it was the fancy cars when I first started, but mate, it's not. For me it's retiring my parents. Like, like I think I said the last time, mate, I bought mum a brand new BM uh, two years ago. I bought dad a Mercedes. Like, they've sacrificed so much for us from South Africa because that's where I'm originally from, immigrated to, to, to Australia, where they should have been quite comfortably retired back home. They're coming here now, been here for 10 years, and um, or they have. I've been here a tiny bit longer. Um, yeah, all they've done is work, mate, because of the conversion. So for me, mate, it's just really about helping them. But back on track, yeah, they don't really tell you sometimes the actual process of how challenging it could be to become successful. Yeah, it can be a bit of a lonely road. Yeah, no, 110%. You think yeah. like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, in the sense like, yeah, you see them succeed online, but you don't see what happens behind the scenes on how challenging it is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well said. So I want to I want to come back to the property management side of things because 
we've got a lot of people that listen to this, they're property investors or they're starting to invest in property. Now, I think it's the biggest thing or biggest, you need the, the, the uh, it's one of the most key components when you're building a property portfolio to have a successful property management team. And I guess I want to, I want to talk about, I guess, what do you see a lot of property or sorry, a lot of landlords do wrong when they're trying to rent out their property? No, you know, it's, it's a fair question and I'll answer it like this. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. You either want to be an active investor or a passive investor. Don't get me wrong, mate. There's a lot of people out there that have got portfolios 20, 30 plus, and they choose to manage it themselves. They have the time. They know what they're looking for. They know what they're doing. They 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 have the skill set to to really handle it themselves. So, for example, I'll take a backtrack and then I'll answer your question. I had an owner call me the other day to ask me if I would just do the let only, where it's like that's just find the tenant, but then she wants to manage it herself because her husband is a, a tradie and he knows how to do maintenance and, and all that sort of stuff. But look, my answer was, look, unfortunately, I don't do let only, and that's just my preference because, yeah, either I do the whole service or I just, for me, it doesn't work. But I was like, look, I respect your husband's a tradie, but do you have experience with QCAT? Do you have experience with the RTA if a tenant wants to challenge you on something? If a tenant pays rent late, do you know the law? And, and, and regulations around that, which her answer was no. So I was like, well, fair enough that your partner is in that trade and your partner can do maintenance, but there is a lot more to managing a property than just maintenance, mate. It's managing relationships, managing people, really. So I was like, well, if maintenance arises, your partner can do it. But having someone look after your property to make sure tenant pays rent on time, that you're kept up to date with legislation and regulations, make sure in the event that a tenant stops paying rent, which is common, it does happen, or tenant tenant or destroys or breaks a property, that you have someone there who understands and a team that's there that knows what they do. If the situation arises that you have to go to QCAT or VCAT or any what state what you're in, that someone's actually there to assist. So long story short, yeah, she's now wanting to work with us. So it's like, well, if I didn't take that time to explain that to her, she may have got herself caught up in a situation where she didn't want to be. And look, don't get me wrong, like I said, a lot of tenants are smart these days with knowing what they can or can't do, knowing how far they can push legislation and boundaries before they actually kind of get in trouble, if that's the right word, yeah? And that's the last thing that you can't if a tenant stops paying rent you can't just go to the house and rip them out by their throat or their shirt mate, mate, you just can't do that there's rules and regulations and vice versa tenants we also we want to protect our tenants and make sure that landlords are providing good quality homes for tenants to, to actually rent in like for example the other day i had a, a landlord ask me um is it essential to have running water at a property because something happened with the water mains and i was like yeah, mate, it's an essential service. It's like we can't rent a house a house out without it. It's like so. It's like yeah, protecting both parties to ensure a tenant likes where they stay and happy with where they live, and to make sure a landlord provides quality housing. So, I don't know if I went off on a tangent there. Ask me the question again, and I'll see if I can answer it in a different. Way. I guess I guess looking at it from a, a point, I think you, you've hit it on the head, but looking from. A landlord, I guess, what do you see is, you know, the, what, 
one of the catalysts that things that you see that a landlord they do okay, yeah, 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 yeah sure mate. look another thing like obviously mate we we try our best to minimize and mitigate all the stress that a landlord may not want to take on for example mate our mobiles do stay on uh it's a very common thing for smoke alarms to start beeping at two o'clock in the morning yeah or three o'clock in the morning or in the middle of the night now we never encourage tenants to take off the smoke alarms because if something had to happen, it may void warranties and insurances and all that sort of stuff. Unless you want a tenant calling you at two o'clock in the morning, well, then I guess they would call us. I know as a landlord myself, well, look, I manage my own properties, but I would rather for the sake of 20 or 30 bucks a week, pay someone to, to take that hassle and stress away from me. Mate, it's the same as like being a mechanic or or... You know what I mean? If I wanted to service my car, I'd go learn how to service my car and I could save on money. But is then that time that I'm servicing my car the best use of my time and my skill or should I rather invest that into something that I actually am passionate about and want to do, which is property or go for a fish or spend time with my wife, whatever it may be. I think investing your time and energy into something that makes you feel good is where I guess you, you should do. The same as maybe mowing my lawn. For a year and a half, I used to love mowing my lawn. Now I can't stand it because I can't catch the grass and my dog's rolling it and they bring the grass inside the house. So yeah, now I'm making 70 bucks every two weeks. I'd rather just pay my mower guy. Great bloke comes, he mows the lawn, he takes the stuff with him so I don't have to use my green bin anymore. So like, it's just about trying to use your time to your skill set to, to maximize your return on what you do in life. So yeah, mate, property managers or property management may not be for every landlord but i'd say to you if for the vast majority yeah they want the ability to work with a company that knows legislation that knows how to communicate that understands i guess people and relationships to make the journey for them a lot more stress-free yeah definitely because i think with property management i hear a lot of stories and i've seen some really really bad things happen i've seen people or sellers agents with their team or the property management team from the same agency will go and they'll do a property report and they'll give it to you know to the person that's purchasing the property and what they'll do they might use the last rental um report that they've done and that might have been you know two three years ago and they might when they're selling the property to someone interstate they give them that report. They don't get an independent person to go through the property. The property hasn't been, you know, there's no maintenance that has been done in the last, say, two, three, five years, depending on what the situation is. But I've seen it happen before. And then they get this property and then there's all these problems with it. So I, th I, feel, I, see, I see what happens, you know, behind the scenes and there's some really people that aren't authentic. And, I, and you're probably saying it all the time, but I think maintenance is probably something that we've probably got to talk about because when I came to you, to you, you know, to, for my, my property, for you to look after my property, that was something that you're big on. And I, I want you to kind of like talk on maintenance and I talk about, I guess, the professionality of you going inspecting those properties and not just saying you're inspecting those properties and just giving, you know, your yeah, back the old uh, rental, uh, you know, um, inspection that you've done the year or two before. Of course, mate. Well, look, I mean, it's funny that you bring that up. It was only about maybe four, four or five months ago that we have or had back then, but still have a landlord that came to us. And, and long story short, he has two properties side by side. And, and mate, these two properties were in such dire strait, in such bad condition, 
that both of them were vacant. He told me that that, that the tenants left and blah, blah, blah. And when I went to go inspect them, I'm like, mate, your properties have just been absolutely ruined. And he's like, that's not possible. I've got routine reports from like a month ago showing perfect condition properties. And um, long story short, the agent was using the same photos. He sent me every routine inspection he had had. I mean, look, as a landlord, you do have to have your wits about you. And I mean, um, you do have to pay somewhat of an attention to it. But look, this landlord didn't. He put his trust in the company. Mate, this company was using the same report for like two or three years, the same images, and he just wasn't opening them up and paying attention to them, which is just absolutely heartbreaking, mate. It's heart-wrenching. So he spent about 60 or 70 grand between the two properties, bringing them up to a level where they just rentable. It's not about then achieving more rent. It was just about bringing them up to a standard for that area where I could actually put them on the market and attract a tenant. So, um, yeah, I, th I think, look, it is important as a landlord that, yeah, when you get sent your routine reports, not that it's not not something that you, you like, mustn't trust the company. It's, I mean, you spent a lot of money on this property or your properties. It's a business. Otherwise, why else are you buying properties? There's a purpose, retirement, more time, family, car, watch, whatever it is that you're going with property to allow you to do. I mean, pay attention to it. Like you have to look after it because then it will then it will look after you. But yeah, touching on maintenance, man. Like you, I know when I had Mark Wallace, when I had properties where with some other companies, mate, I would get maintenance. I'd get my statements and look at some of the breakdowns, and I'm like, well, shit, I wasn't even called or told about it. I wasn't even made aware that there was something wrong. Uh, the biggest one was uh, for one of my properties up in Marsden. Um, at the time, there was a development happening on the block next door. So a bit of the soil in my yard had fallen through to the block next to it, yeah, through the fence. And um, long story short, I get a quote from my property manager at the time for almost $400 to fix a little hole that would started to form at the back of the property. And I was like, this is a joke. So long story short, I went there myself and I fixed it. And uh, yeah, mate, it cost me like $67 bag of stones from Bunnings Warehouse, a bag of gravel and some soil. And I was like, mate, what the hell? So from there, like, I just kind of got a bit a bit pissed off with the fact that it's like, yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes maintenance can be a big thing because then owners become a bit annoyed in the sense that it's like, oh, should I have to spend more money on this? I have to spend more money on this. And for me, Look, I don't like reporting maintenance, but I know it is part of the job because for me, it's just about making sure your property stays in tip-top shape so it can withhold value for when you want to sell it. At least your your return is going to be there. Otherwise, if you don't spend money on maintenance, when you want to sell your home, mate, you, you're not going to get the maximum price for it because the purchase is going to be like, well, shit, this needs doing, that needs doing, this needs doing, and therefore offer you less. Now... I feel that there's also a fine line between what what a tenant may be responsible for when it comes to maintenance, if it's a neglect or, or whatever it may be. But for the most part, mate, our tenants are really good and it just does break down to, to just general maintenance that falls upon a landlord. But I feel for us, mate, it's just about keeping that open communication and just being transparent. Uh, we don't do any work without our landlord's permission um, unless it is something absolutely essential like a fire or an electrical fault or a hot water system that's burst. But 
our landlords are not contactable. We've tried to contact them, we've tried to email them, and it's been no response within a time period. We have to act with the best interest of the property in mind and the safety of the tenants. But for the other things, mate, look, yeah, it's not my money. It's not my not home. It is my home. It sits in my portfolio. So I do look at it like it's my own home, but it's not my money. And I wouldn't some I wouldn't want someone spending my money unless I knew what they were spending it on. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think it's really important that you say that because property, looking after your property and doing the maintenance is like targeting a certain audience. If you don't look after your property and it's run down and it's got, you know, dirty walls, carpet needs to be changed, it smells and all the rest of it, you're going to attract a sort of, a sort of type of tenant that wants to live there. And they might not be the best quality tenant, but if you look after the property, do the maintenance, do the checks, you know, replace the carpet, paint the walls, you're going to attract a better quality tenant and they're going to look after the property. So it's, it's really like a bit like marketing and targeting that right audience. Mate, 110%, like at the end of the day, mate, it's important for people to know why they're wanting to buy the property. Like, mate, just because you bought a property doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make money. And that is the God's honest truth. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it, it's going to give you what you want. Like you say, mate, buying a property, but they're not doing any maintenance or buying a, a, a bad property that needs a lot of work done. You have to think of the end user in mind, which is the tenant, and you have to think who you're going to attract or who you want to attract. Unfortunately, this isn't true. There are a lot of, I don't like the word bad, we'll call them naughty. There's a lot of naughty people out there, mate, that will use your property as, as something that, as a managing agent and a landlord, I wouldn't want them to use it for. You know what I mean? So, yeah, at least having a good quality property, but not but not only that, I'll take a step back. A good quality home shows a tenant that, all right, this landlord actually cares about this home. I need to look after it in that same manner. If I take a property to market, which truth is not, I won't. If a landlord, I'll ask a lot of my landlords, how are they with maintenance? And if they're like, mm, don't really like it, it's like, well, maybe we're not the best fit for each other because yeah, every property is going to have maintenance at some stage of its life. And if you're not wanting to look after your home, all that does is create a headache for me and my team and piss a tenant off for something that may actually be genuine and just doesn't work well. But yeah, mate, bringing a property up to the market that's in absolute shambles, all it does is tell the people that are coming, I don't care about my home. I don't care about this. So I don't care if you ruin it too. And then, yeah, it just creates headaches. Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk a bit about as well of inspection. So I guess yeah. we, you're a little bit different and unique, and that's what I like about you because normally I guess it, what it's, it's six months they do a routine inspection, but you do a little bit different. Oh, can you explain it? I guess yeah, mate. Look, we, we yeah for for us, mate. Look, like I said, I, I have no intention of being a big corporate company, and when I say yeah, corporate, I, I don't necessarily want to grow to thousands of properties for us it's about that service and um i feel for us mate we we chose when we started to do our inspections every three to four months um now the reason why we chose that is i mean it's a fair amount of time for something to happen and go wrong i know a lot of tenants may also be a bit scared to report something big that may have happened um in fear of that they may get yelled at or kicked out or evicted or whatever it may be but that's where for us when tenants come and we do the handover we sit with them for about half an hour 45 minutes an hour however long they need to feel comfortable with actually now living in this home and we explain to them maintenance if something goes wrong it's not necessarily a bad thing it just needs to be reported so we can act upon it as quickly as we can to make sure everything gets fixed 
Um, we have started trialing that for tenants that have been with us for a long time and we know their properties are always well looked after. We're starting to trial that we push their routines out to every five and a half months, five months, maybe even six, only because they've gained our trust and respect and they've shown to us over time that their properties are always meticulously well looked after, that it is a bit, um, what's the word, invasive going through properties that often throughout the year. It's almost like if you give us trust, I'll give them you trust. You know what I mean? So we've, we've started trialing that and it seems to be working perfectly fine for the ones that have been with us for a long time. But for, for the majority of, um, when I say the majority, but for the, yeah, the majority, we just go every three to four months. At least that way we're inspecting a property three times a year, man. And because and, really we can only enter four times under legislation. We'll just leave one time for if an owner wants to come with or whatever it may be. So at least that way we have included them if they want to come. Yeah, for sure. And I guess it keeps it keeps the tenant as well in check as well, making sure they're doing the right things. Oh, 110%, mate. I think like, yeah, I mean, do you rent? Or, or do yeah, you I rent myself. I rent, rent best. Yeah, yeah, cool. Mate, same, same here. Like when I first moved in, I had inspections maybe once every three, four months. Mate, look, I think the last time I had an inspection was seven, eight months ago. But for the first two times like the property manager saw that mate my home is my my sanctuary you know what i mean so i feel good about it and i'm more inclined to look after my home because they've given me that trust than than not i think it's only fair then like if people show you that they're looking after their home as if it was their own which is what we want why must i disturb you every three months i'll come every then four months or five months We'll see, like that's pretty. That's not. That's pretty good because I've been in my place now for eight months, and they haven't come past at all. There's no. You know, yeah. Okay. So I would be slapping when I say, "Look, I send out the routine, so I wouldn't let that happen. I don't do the inspections. The team does, but I program them." Yeah. No, I wouldn't let it go that long, mate. The maximum is about five, five and a half months. Yeah. And then you know what's going on. You know, something. There's anything that you know needs to be replaced, or if the tenant. Oh, 110 percent, mate. Look, Ryan's been in 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 his place now for almost two years, and I think they've only done one inspection. So, but Ryan's like me. He looks after his place like it's his palace. But um, I still feel that one one inspection in a two year gap is a bit, uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you definitely do want to keep on top of things. Correct, mate. Correct. But it's also that, like, yeah, to keep on top of them to make sure that, look, I always believe what could cost 100 bucks to fix now, if left untreated, could cost you 500 bucks. And I guess that's where our, our communication with owners is paramount. And we're very truthful with them, where it's like they may be giving a bit of like resistance to, to the maintenance. But it's like, mate, if it's not down now, it's your responsibility. Unfortunately, that's just it. It's your responsibility, but nothing to do with the tenant. It's going to cost you 200 bucks now. If you leave this untreated, it's going to cost you five, 600 bucks down the line. Rather just spend the 200 bucks now and get it done. Yeah, for sure. Do you yeah, feel like yeah. you have to draw a line sometimes? Because sometimes there's tenants that will want everything replaced. And yeah, oh, mate, 110%. It's about education, I think. So when they come up or when they come in to do the handover, it is about educating them as to, to what, um, I guess, uh, essential and not for example i had one today a uh, beautiful mum and uh, daughter uh, they were actually really really nice but they inspected the property last week saturday they applied they got approved they came to do their key handover today now 
they noticed that there were fly screens on the windows, but not actually security screens. So they were like, oh, I'm going to put in a maintenance request for security screens. And I was like, pump your brakes. You literally collected the keys right now. You inspected the property. You saw it for what it was. I don't think that would be accepted. So rather move in and in six months' time, if you feel if you still feel strongly about it, we can discuss it. Don't hit me straight off the bat with, oh, I want security screens because you had the opportunity and you were there at the open home to, to view the property for what it was. So it's about, yeah, I'm not going to cost my landlord any money unless it's needed. And then fly screen. Like if you didn't want to rent there because there was no security screens, well, then you shouldn't have applied. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's a two-way street as well for you. got to look yeah, out. two-way street. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. Sorry, I'm stretching back. Um, yeah, I, I want to look after the tenants, but I also want to look after the landlords, mate. I don't want to make a landlord because it is their business. This is a business. I don't want to cost the business, their business, money unless it is needed. Like if maintenance needs to be done, I'm all for it. Sure, we'll, have we'll obviously get it done. But yeah, like it's about just making sure tenants don't take the mickey and then try to push for everything. Because, yeah, it's not yeah, for sure. And I think you're kind of talking about tenants. I guess do you find that you know you need to really be you have to do your due diligence when you're screening a tenant and what's the process involved of doing something like that? Yeah, sure, yeah. mate. Look, it's it's always a tough one from the aspect of myself and Ryan majority of the open homes. Uh, the reason being is that when we go to an owner, I want to be able to um kind of put my hand on my heart and say, hey, look, we've met, the, I guess, the tenants, we've met the people that came, we've met the applicants. We believe that X, Y, and Z are the best applicants because of X, Y, and Z. And then we'll present the applications to the owner. And look, we do ask for the owner's, uh, I guess, feedback and admission. They, I do want them to approve them and not just me um, because I want them to feel comfortable with who's living inside their home. And sometimes I'll get a question from the owner like, can you guarantee that these are the best tenants? And, mate, it's such a big word and it's such a big sentence because we only get to meet people for like five or ten minutes at an, at, at an open home. You know what I mean? I think to really, to really guarantee something like that, that takes time. It takes trust. It takes multiple occasions. Like we've had, we've known each other for like 12 months now, a year. It's like I've spoken to you a billion times. So it's like there's now trust. So I feel like it's very hard to to 100% guarantee something over five minutes. I do every possible check I possibly can. Rental references, previous, uh, sorry, employment checks, previous rental references. If there's two or three, I'll go back as far as I can. Uh, ticket checks, police checks. Um, I, I do everything within my capability, within my realm to say, hey, look, I think these tenants are the right fit. At the end of the day, investment, it is a risk. There is an element of risk to it. Hence, I wanted to release a video yesterday about landlord insurance but it was Australia Day, so I thought I'd do that first instead. So next week, I'm going to release a video just on like my Facebook page or the actual page. Um, just about the importance of taking out insurance, landlord insurance. It's it's possibly one of the cheapest forms of protection you can get in this industry. Because, yeah, it's very hard to guarantee something that a tenant's going to pay rent on time, not damage the property, 
or, or anything like that. I'll say to you in what, since 2018, I have evicted and I, I'm not, I don't like it, but look, that's just the job. Maybe yeah. only three or four tenants for not paying rent and damaged. I've only had two homes that have been ruined. And I don't think that's too bad, man, to be honest, out of 600. So it's not a, a terrible strike rate. So yeah, it's, it's very hard to, to always guarantee a perfect tenant made. One of my prime examples is what I approved two GPs, 300 grand combined for a house in Newport, 12 month lease, eight months into the 12 month lease, I'm led to believe, and I know this is really hard and very, very, very sad if it is the truth, but they told us that one of the children died in a car accident. I've never been able to prove that or verify that. But long story short, they just absconded the property, stopped paying rent, never communicated with us, with us besides for that one email saying, this is just what's happened. Never told us they were vacating, just literally stopped paying rent, drove up to the property and all the furniture was gone. They didn't ruin the home or anything, but just vanished. So they were two doctors. Mm, so yeah, like, yeah, you just can't predict the future. Like, you don't know. Yeah. We do our best to try and mitigate every bit of risk at the front. Definitely. I guess that's so important. With the, I guess you're the quarterback, I guess, of the property investors when they're building a portfolio. You know, without having a great property management team, you know, you're going to have a, you, you can occur a lot of danger, you know, from getting a bad tenant, not doing the checks, you know, not doing the right maintenance. And, you know, it just, just creates a, a, you know, a bad, a bad, um, a bad, a bad association towards property investing. You know, a lot of people don't like to invest because of that reason. Yeah. Oh man, one hundred and ten percent. Oh man, like, and don't get me wrong, I, I can completely appreciate where they're coming from. Sometimes I think, as human nature or as human beings, uh, maybe sometimes we're conditioned to think of the negative before we see the positive. So it's like when you talk about investing, what may come to a lot of people's mind is, "Nah, it's too risky. What if a tenant doesn't pay rent?" Blah, and all the negatives that come with it. Instead of thinking of the positives first, like oh my God, we can build wealth, we can generate equity, we'll have great tenants, we'll have a beautiful portfolio, do all this. I think naturally we kind of, our bodies are wired to protect ourselves, I think. And by protecting yourself, you think of the bad. So, but it doesn't necessarily always have to be the case. Yeah, exactly right. It doesn't so have to be the case. What I want to talk about, Jared, we've got like a lot of listeners, they're all over Australia. And some of them invest in property interstate or some are a bit scared to invest in the state because of this reason or because they can't see the property, can't touch it, they want to check it out or they can't do the maintenance. What are some questions or, you know, to when they're looking for a property management team, what are some things to look out for and ask before going for a property management team, making sure that at least they can, that they know they're going to do the right thing on their behalf? No, that's a, that's a very fair question. Um, it's when I say funny, like me, me personally, I would rather invest in a different state because you are less likely to be, what's the word, panicked or, or drive by your property every single day and might see the grass at the front, maybe a tiny bit long or something like that. That does happen. You know what I mean? Where, where I know, for example, I've got mates that, that own property in Melbourne and they live in Melbourne and they're always driving past and they're like, oh God, the grass at the front is just a bit too long. But it's like, well, mate, you can't expect a tenant to mow every single day. You know what I mean? It's not possible. So I think it takes that emotional attachment out from it if it is interstate. 
Um, mate, I, uh, I always get asked about inspections. Like inspections is a big one. How often do you do inspections if, um, if uh, a landlord is interstate? And like we've already discussed that and the frequency. Um, for a lot of the time, mate, I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of my landlords um, have actually never seen the properties that they bought. A lot of them have been sold property, look, whether it be off the plan or, or established, purely based on the trust of buyers agents like yourself. So when it comes from a, a referral or a company that I have a good connection with and they trust me and they give me that referral, truth be told, they never really ask any sort of questions. They just say, if the property is rented, okay, cool. I'll go collect the handover pack. Or if it's not rented, we discuss the rentals. We'll discuss how we'll market it. We'll discuss what sort of tenants we'll try attract. If you want pets, if you don't want pets. But yeah, I never really, trend I can't lie, I never really get get pinned too hard on, um, yeah, what what will you do different because I'm interstate? Um, yeah, if if. Yeah. if answer i'd rather not say anything than talk bullshit yeah no that's that's fair enough i guess what's some of the new legislation laws that have come in i guess queensland's a little bit different to here in melbourne but do you feel it's getting more tighter more stricter for the landlords or yeah mate look i believe in fairness to be honest with you um i feel some of the laws that have come in right now have stripped landlords of a bit of um control of their properties uh, but in the same vein, I also feel that some of the uh, the laws about maintenance will ensure that there is good quality homes for people to rent. Like for me, that that I'll I'll love that law. I have to be honest with you, I really truly do because if there is something that really truly needs to be done, for example, uh, something that that goes against legislation or, or or safety, like a handrail or a staircase that is not safe, that's rusted through, that's broken, like we're having right now. I don't want to call it an argument or fight or anything like that, but I have an old Queenslander, but it's 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 old, and this particular landlord never likes doing maintenance. But the tenants are now taking him to QCAT because of the the entrance. There's only one entrance. You can park your cars underneath, but you have to walk up the flight of stairs. But the timber uh, palings, sorry, timber palings, the timber steps, they've all kind of walked through and he just doesn't want to replace it. The new legislation will not allow me to re-rent that home. So if there is then an application made to this property, it sits with it. So then another agent, even if you want to take it to another agency, you won't be able to re-rent that home. You will get in trouble, find whatever it may be through QCAT or, or the RTA. I like that because as landlords, with respect, we shouldn't buy property if we don't have the buffer there to ensure that a property is livable and safe for a tenant. Now, I'm not saying you have to install gold-plated stairs, but replace the warp one so a tenant can feel safe walking up the stairs and not going to fall through it and then sue you. Like, mate, you can get sued if, if, if it's not safe. Um, I feel the ones about pets, mate, it's kind of touch and go. I've got two, two dogs. So I may be a bit biased. The problem is with the legislation, it's not very clear. Sometimes I feel like, like there's no one here from, from the RERQ or the RTA or whatever it may be. I just kind of feel like they should just make it black and white and don't leave it up to one's interpretation to kind of um, guess what is right or what's wrong. With pets, it doesn't really stipulate 
what sort of size yard is acceptable or what weight dog. It just kind of makes it very blasé, you know what I mean, that a tenant can have a pet. So I actually called the um, RSPCA to see if they could send me uh, a kind of breakdown in terms of, okay, if the yard size is this big, what size animal could fit inside this yard? But look, I haven't been able to get anything back because, yeah, what what a tenant may think, okay, a Rottweiler in, a, in an apartment may be suitable, an owner may not think that. And as a property managing agency, I may not think that. But it doesn't give a black and white as to what can go where. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it kind of cause our own grief. Yeah, that's fair. Well. With the legislation about, yeah, like I say, compliancy, all that sort of stuff. I, I do like the compliance side of things because, mate, then it just stops areas from looking like trash, mate. Maybe that's better of a lack of the word. Um, yeah. What what makes some areas better than others, mate? It's just when I say it's yeah, the housing and how well the houses are looked after. If every area was good, mate, that means one event in every area. That means there's always going to be demand in that area. I just think, yeah, making sure the houses stay up to a quality and standard. Yeah, it's important because I guess if people are listening to this and they're landlords themselves, just imagine if you're renting. And you were there and your landlord didn't want to change this, you know, the toilet seat that was broken or the tap washer that was leaking or all the handrails or the stairs that were run out. You know, people, you need to, you know, do these things because it wouldn't be nice if it happened to you as well. So that's how I kind of look at it. And I think it's... My 110%. And it's, it's, it's a tough one. Like I talk with the team a fair bit. I talk with other companies and other property managers. It's so hard. And I guess landlords get a bit pissy when it comes to like this and I, and I get it I understand it like a big one is like tap washes and toilet seats like when they break but they're like well I'm not living in the house they using it it's wear and tear it should be placed on them but unfortunately like it's 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 maintenance on the house so I always kind of maybe saying look hopefully tenants won't yell at me it's like I don't know like maybe there should be like specific things that is a tenant's uh, obligation to fix if they break, if it is misuse or if it like washes or maybe from tightening the taps too hard or something like that, that the first time the landlord covers it. But if it happens again in a 12-month period, then it's misuse or, or something like that. That does give a bit more responsibility on a tenant to maybe just take a bit more pride in, in where they live and a bit more care of the home instead of just reporting back to the property manager or the owner and like this needs doing, that needs doing, that needs doing, that needs doing. I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think... Um, well, you've given like, a lot of let, let me ask, mate, you rent. If that was law, say that came into effect where it's a tenant's responsibility to replace the tap washers, like anything big goes to the landlord. With tap washers or or a toilet seat, if that then becomes your responsibility, how would you feel? How would you tell me your thoughts? Look, I think I feel if I've you know dis- destroyed it or broken it myself, I probably would replace it just because that's what the sort of person I am. But if it's just wear and tear and things happen for you know because of this the nature of the beast, you know the tap washer goes because it goes, or the toilet starts the seat starts to break because it just broke. It is up to the landlord, you know, it's happened yeah, and it's your, it's like a business. It's your property. You purchased it for that reason to, you know, build wealth and, you know, give someone a home to live in. So it's up to you. So I think, you know, it's got to, it's got to be a two way street, but at the same time, I don't expect, I guess, the tenant to pay 
for the, you know things that break and you know by accidental or even if maybe they do you know they broke the tap washer or by accident you know it's up to the landlord i still believe so it's hard well, it's that's hard. because it's hard because it's also hard to prove malicious damage how do you prove malicious damage how do you prove that i broke that toilet seat on purpose i mean if you go to a property and you see a crowbar sitting in the jiplock wall different story it's like okay that that was malicious damage but yeah for the smaller items and i think the smaller items is what sometimes get the landlords back up it's not the bigger ones where it's the whole water system because they know that's out of everyone's control it's just unfortunately part and parcel of the beast but i think it's the smaller ones the hundred dollars here or the 200 bucks there it's like how do you prove that a tenant did do that how did you prove it and it's you can't man you can't and that's that's possibly where we spend a bit of time not butting heads but like trying for our tenant trying for our landlord to find a resolution where it's like okay this is what needs to be done because yeah a landlord doesn't want to spend it a tenant's like but i swear my life to god i went to go make a poo this morning and i got up and the toilet seat just cracked like how do i not like yeah exactly there's a fine line. I think if, if a landlord says no pet and they said, yep, no dramas, and they bring a pet in and the pet, you know, pees, pees or woos on, uh, poos on the carpet and it makes a mess and, you know, they're broken law, maybe they, you know, they should be paying for those things or taking the bond money. Oh, mate, 110%. Yeah. Mm. For something simple like, like that, mate, 110%. When it comes to pets, that's easy because, you know, like you were a direct cause or your dog was a direct cause of skirting boards being chewed and all that sort of stuff. But something that, that, may not necessarily be uh, a thing that you would intentionally break. And those are the most common ones, a toilet seat or, um, uh, yeah, for example, uh, mowing your lawn and a stone flicks up and cracks glass. Like we've had that maybe four or five times and every time it happens, we just, we look at each other and we're like, oh, shit, here we go. Because it's like there's a tenant doing the right thing, mowing their lawn, maintaining the property, but a stone flings up. And cracks glass. Anything can happen, can't it? Right. It's like, who is responsible to fix that? I'll be honest, on the five occasions that it's happened, the landlord has paid for it. But, yeah, it's... Well, you can't, yeah. do, you can't do much. Like, it's the next yeah. thing that happens. Correct. So, look, I want to wrap it up here, Jared. You know, you're giving the viewers a lot of valuable information, insights, what not to do, what to do, and Appreciate to take care of their property. I just want to ask you one last thing. What does success look like to you? Mate, success for me is in eight weeks' time when I get to hold my child that I've wanted for so long. That is what success is going to look like for me, the ability to be present for bath time, to be present for morning time with her. Um, I know a bit sentimental, but yeah, we had a miscarriage a year and a half ago and I've wanted to be a dad for a long time. So for me, that right now is what success is for me, knowing that I've put in the hard yards with the business, with the team to allow me to to do that. Um, but success for me, uh, other than that, is, is um, spending more time working with the team, really helping them achieve what they want. Property management can be a hard grind. Um, like I said, at the very beginning with so many expectations, trying to please everyone all the time. So it's just making sure that they will look after. And if at the end of the day and the, at the end of the week, they leave the office and they're like, shit, yeah, that was a great week. That's success for me, man. Whether I've grown by a landlord or I haven't, 
just the team's happiness and and their um yeah health in the office while they're with me that's what success this year will look like for me my friend beautiful god bless man i hope all the all the best with the little one mate thank you very very much i really appreciate coming on this podcast man it's always a great um a great time chatting with you and um yeah thank you very much for listening no, you're welcome. I, where can the viewers, you know, if they want to reach out, where you're located, what areas you look after, you know? Yeah, of course, man. So, in the bio. Yeah, of course, buddy. So pretty much we, we cover from the northern GC up to Brisbane and out to Ipswich. Our office is based in Tanamera, which is around Logan Home, if anyone knows that. Um, the best email that goes to everyone is just rentals at efficientps.com.au. Or you can call us on our one three hundred number, which is one three hundred one four eight four one seven. But yeah, I can send you some information, and if you're happy, well, you you have it. Um, you can put it up on the post. Or look, I'm not I'm not too tech savvy on how YouTube works or whatever. By all means, feel free to share it, mate. You leave it with me, and I'll get it all sorted. No drama. Oh, mate, you make me blush, and I wish <laughs> I have shaved. I look like a two year old, but I'm actually thirty three now, so it's all good. <laughs> Well, thanks again for coming on, Gerald. Much appreciated. I really appreciate it, brother. Look look after yourself and I'll chat to you later on. Definitely will. Thank you, Jared. Take care, bud. See you, mate. So there we have it. Jared from E-Efficient Property Solutions. Whole bunch of valuable information about property management, what to do, what not to do. So some of the key takeaways i believe from what jared you know just gave us was i guess maintenance looking after that property you know doing the the right things to keep the property up to date get attracting that right tenant because you're looking after the property if you do not look after the property imagine you're just going to target a, a, a demographic of people that don't want that won't look after the property because you haven't looked after the property so they say if you've left it in this state they're going to leave it in that state if not worse so Doing those things, looking after it, you're adding value to the property. Don't think it's a waste of money. Of course, the next thing was, I guess, getting that property management team, you know, in check, making sure they've got the same values as you. And as well, being, I guess, it's a two-way street. So you've got to understand they're doing their job as well as they're looking after you as well. So, but making sure that, you you know, they're not, you know, hitting you up for all these, you know, extra costs and silly little costs for, you know, repairs and little small things that the tenant wants. There has to be a draw. You have to draw a line. So making sure that you actually get the right tenant that, oh, sorry, the right property manager that is, I guess, the same values as you. So I think when, when he talked about, I guess, asking those right questions, are they an investor? Is the, is the you know, are, how many times do they screen the property, you know, or view the property in a year? You know, how do they do their screening when they screen a tenant? You know, these are some questions that you want to ask because you, you want to make sure that they're doing the right due diligence when they're, you know, looking after your property. At the end of the day, this is your property. It's a business. You spent, you spent a lot of money to get this property. So that's super important to make sure as well keeping up to date with the legislation laws i think it's really important and you know because if, if you don't there's going to be a lot of you know downfalls and a lot of you know problems happening in the future so i think jared you know gave a lot of valuable information uh, it's it's important to you know if yeah if you wanted to go back listen to this get some key points if you want to reach out to him uh please do i'll put his, his all his information in the bio now he's based in queensland 
Now, I wish I could have Jared for all my other properties all over Australia. Unfortunately, I don't, but I've got some other great property managers in different locations where I ask the question. I, I make sure I screen those property managers, making sure they're going to look after my property. So super important. Uh, making sure as well, asking that property manager, which is another tip, is what's their screening process like? What are the, the checks they're doing? Please check, making sure they're checking their social pages just so they can see what sort of people they are. You know, their you know, employment checks, seeing their rental history, how many how many properties have they been rented, been renting for? And I guess what's the, you know, the report? Are they good tenants? Have they paid on time? Is there any, you know, red flags? Things like this, you got to make sure. So does you know if you can eliminate the eliminate the risk it's going to make your life a lot easier as well so i think there's a valuable you know episode here for landlords or if you want to become a landlord you're going to learn a lot from today's you know today's podcast that we had jared on so keep keeping um Keep in check with our, our future podcasts that we're coming up we're getting all different people from you know like i say from all different areas of our life but just reach out if you want to reach out to jared even if you're, even if you can't look after your property, but you want some advice, what to do, what not to do, he's a he's a lovely man. Him and his brother Ryan, as well, Fisher, they they're, they're they're very helpful people. They they want to help anyone. So please do. And I thank you for watching and listening to this podcast. But there's more to come. If you like today's podcast, then you're absolutely going to love the Investing You Facebook group where we share a bunch of valuable tips and tricks on property investing for our exclusive community. Come join us and let's level up.